Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. The specific instruction that the Lord has given me for our service today, and I want to... um, have some uh, fundamental teaching concerning our application of faith and what I want us to uh, ask ourselves in this is are we receiving believers? Uh, When we talk about the word believer sometimes it has become a word just to describe a person that's a Christian but a believer is not just a Christian. A believer is, is a person who is actively believing, <laughs> a person who is using their believing power and putting into operation the ability to believe. And as a result, if a believing believer is believing, that person is receiving. That's what we want to see today because there is no... no Um, uh, separation of believing and receiving. If you are believing, you are receiving. Hallelujah. And we want that confidence to be established. And that's the reason we go back over things that you may have heard before, fundamental truths, because that's how we become proficient and skilled in those fundamentals. These are the, uh, the ABCs. And in all of my writing of books, I am still very familiar. I don't have to go back and learn my ABCs again because I already have the proficiency. I know what vowel sounds an A makes. I know how to make the short sound of an A. I know how to make the long sound of an A. And and that's a very, very basic thing. In, In multiplication, if you keep yourself skilled in multiplication, and I mean, if you haven't done any long division lately, (laughs) by hand you might have forgotten some of your multiplication tables especially those higher ups you know seven times eight and 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 uh, six times whatever you know but when when you're consistently having to put those things into practice in your life it helps you to maintain a proficiency in them and the same is true concerning the word of god where the applicant application of faith is concerned I quoted a verse this morning, but can you put your eyes on 2 Chronicles 20? Just look at this verse here in verse 20 of 2 Chronicles 20 and just allow this truth to be the jumping off point for us. I want to look at the latter part of this verse. It says, in the first part, it's giving the details of the situation. The latter part of the verse where it begins with believe. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe his prophets, so shall you prosper. Second Chronicles 20, 20, the latter part of that verse. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believing is an establishing. 
Believing causes foundations to be laid. Believing is a root system. It sinks the roots into the word. So believing is an operation of the spirit that causes a foundation for our lives to be set. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 11, let's look at verse 6. Hebrews 11 is a great, great resource to set the structure of faith in our life. Chapter 6 specifically identifies a truth about faith for us. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Why? Because without faith, it's impossible to receive anything He's given us. Anything he's provided for us, everything, all of our salvation, we're saved by faith. It's faith that that connects us to all that Jesus has done on the cross, his blood shed uh, for us, his life given for us, resurrection power. It is all of those things are received into our life or we are, are connected to those things through believing, believing. And that's why there are some people that are going to go to heaven but they are, are going to heaven only having believed that Jesus died for their sin. And that's where they stop believing. They don't believe healing is for today. They don't believe in speaking in other tongues and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They don't believe in financial uh, a blessing of God in their, in their lives. They don't believe in anything else. They're going to go to heaven, but they're not going to have received any of those other provisions on this earth. And they're going to get to heaven and say, look at all that I could have walked in, but I wasn't believing. I I did not believe in those things. They're not going to receive them. As much as God desires to give all of these things to every one of his children, it still requires that we take him at his word. So that's why it says without faith, it is impossible to please him. But I want you to, because you are faith builders, I want you to see the reciprocal of this truth. With faith, it is possible to please God. It is possible to live a life that's pleasing to God. It is possible to please Him in every area of our life. With faith, it is possible to please God. Then it says, He that comes to God must believe that he is must believe that he is and and is a conjunction it connects it's like the 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 little um hitch on the end of the train cars that connects one box car to the other box car that conjunction connects the first phrase to the second phrase he that comes to god must believe that god is But that's not enough. The Bible says that the devils believe in God and they tremble. They believe God is. They believe God is God. He said, those who come to God must believe that God is and that God is a rewarder. God is a rewarder. In other words, when I seek God, He will provide the recompense of that seeking Him. When I come on his basis of his word, 
he is going to reciprocate that coming yeah. with a receiving of the blessing, a receiving of the answer, a receiving of the help that I need. We must believe that if we come to our Father and say, Father, I approach you in the name of Jesus and I come on the basis of your word, you said in your word, by his stripes I am healed. He is not going to withhold any good thing from us. He is not going to tell us you got to wait for it. He is not going to put us off until another day. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He is a, recom a recompenser of those who diligently seek him. He is a giver by nature. He is the giver of all good things. All good and perfect things come from him. Hallelujah. So we've got to believe that. My believing that establishes that in my life. I believe that about God. I believe that he's good. I believe that he will never forsake me. Come on, we've got, to, we've got to believe. I believe that God is able to keep me. I believe that God is able to preserve me. I believe that God is able to deliver me. No weapon. Do, we, do you believe that no weapon that is formed against you shall be able to prosper? Let the weapon be formed. I, I can't control. My faith isn't, isn't going to stop the weapon from being formed. But my believing keeps me connected to the truth that no weapon, no weapon that is formed against me is able to prosper against me. Why? Because greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He preserves my going out and my coming in. Hallelujah. So this believing establishes me in his keeping power. This believing establishes me in his hand. I believe God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I want to look for just a moment at this phrase, cometh to God. He that cometh to God. This word is important in the original language it means to draw near or approach but in the definition it implies a coming into agreement with that person the same word is used in other places as consent i that i consent to that so he that comes to god that we're talking about the agreement then we're talking about a drawing near and an approach to God where I'm coming agreeing with him already. I'm, a, I'm coming in agreement with his word. There was a, a, a person who asked a woman who used to, uh, who traveled with Rachel T. Fateller, who was a great woman of prayer, and asked, uh, this person was asked, what is the difference in the prayer meetings and some of the meetings that you had in those days versus some of the meetings that you may see in the church today, prayer meetings? And she did not hesitate for, uh, for a moment. She said, the difference is when we came into the presence of God, we came already knowing the answer. We came already knowing the answer. We didn't come to God just to find out, do you want to heal me or no? Do you want to bless me or no? Will you save my children or not? 
It was never a question of, God, I'm here to try to talk you into saving my children. I'm here to try to beg you to save my children or twist your arm to bless me. No, I come already knowing what his established will for that situation is. God has already established his will in his word. And if I will go get the word in advance and come on the basis of his word, then I have already got the building blocks for that thing I need to receive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's the basis of our prayer. And, and I am so thankful for people that have shared their experiences because, you know, I, I, I used to think that people who, for instance, Brother Hagen, who operated in a, a healing anointing and had manifestations of supernatural healings in his ministry. And he got uh, news from home. And his wife said, uh, their little girl, Pat Harrison, who you saw as an adult ministering to us by the prophetic word there on the introduction of our announcements. But when she was a little girl, Sister Aretha contacted Brother Hagen while he was out on the road and said uh, that she was sick and that uh, they, th there was, I think there was a growth on her eye and they needed to, to do something about it medically or it could become worse and hurt her eyesight. And he said, uh, I did not pray about it immediately. I did not pray about it. Now, that made my ears perk up. You know, I got that Doberman Pinscher ears right there and go, what? What? You know, because I would have thought Brother Hagen would have said, in the name of Jesus, I command this to leave my daughter's life and just attacked it, just pounced on it right then. But he didn't. He said he waited three days. And during that three days, and he was on the road preaching, he said, I would prepare for my messages, but when I had a little bit of time for myself, I took about an hour and a half each day, and I went over healing scriptures. Brother Hagen was going over healing scriptures? He said, I went through all of those healing scriptures, and I fed on them, and I meditated on them. I, I just pulled them up into my heart, through my mouth. I'm just feeding on those healing scriptures for three days. And then he prayed about it. And you know what I learned from that? Is that even though a person may be ministering under that anointing for the receiving of my own healing or healing in my family, I'm going to have to feed on the word. It's, it's, not, it's not something that we can ever come to the place where we say, I don't need that anymore. I, that's not important for me. No, this is meat. This is food. This word is spiritual food, and it will provide the supernatural nutrition your body needs to recuperate, to recover all. Amen? And, and the faith necessary to receive whatever it is you're believing for is available here in the Word. If you, if you need your faith to grow, faith can grow exceedingly, it says in 1 Thessalonians. Faith can grow exceedingly. Faith comes by hearing and hearing... By the word of God. Faith comes because there's faith in the word. 
The word contains faith. You can't get any word out. You can't get any faith out of the word unless there's faith in the word. Jesus said in John 6, 63, my words are spirit. There's spiritual power in the word of God. There's spiritual strength in the word of God for our bodies. There's spiritual strength in the word. And all we need to do is get the word in the heart. That's the, that's the main key right there for faith to come. If you want faith to increase in your life, increase the um, intake of the word. Because the, if you've got it in your heart, then it can get in your mouth. If you've got it in your heart, it can turn into the power supply of whatever it is that you're needing. Hallelujah. Out of the abundance of the heart, a good man pulls out of the good treasure of what he has stored in his heart. Hallelujah. Look at that with me. Matthew 12. I'm quoting some things, but I want you to put your eyes on them. Matthew 12. A good man out of the good treasure. So there has to be a good treasure. How do you get a good treasure? Is it just, it just, it just appear in your heart because you're saved? According to Proverbs, you've got to incline your ear to hear. Proverbs chapter 4 says you've got to uh, uh, set it before your eyes. Incline your ear to hear. He says in verse 35, A good man out of the good treasure of the heart brings forth good, good things. Is healing a good thing? Yes, it is. So a good man out of the good treasure of his heart can bring forth healing if you've been storing some healing scriptures in your heart. If you've got, if you stored it in there, you know, I can't take anything out of my bank account I haven't put in there. But if I go to my bank account and I make a withdrawal, they're going to check as long as I've deposited that in there, I can get it out. Nobody can argue with me. Nobody can tell me no and you can't have that. No, if I've deposited it there, I can pull it out. Well, if I put the healing scriptures in advance, they're there for me. I can pull, how do I get them into my situation? I pull them out of my mouth. Why? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth, abundance of the heart, out of the abundance of the heart. If I've got it in the heart in abundance, then it is, it's going to load my mouth. It's going to load my mouth. If it's not in my heart in abundance, then I need to load my mouth so my mouth can load my heart. I mean, see, your mouth kind of works both ways. You know, you've got a gas tank. You, you put the gas nozzle in that tank in order to get it in. But when it gets full, what happens? It starts overflowing back out of the same opening you've been putting it in. And, and you speaking the word is one of the greatest ways for faith to come to you. You know if you're telling the truth or not. And when you're, when you're speaking the word, you know it's truth, right? And so you're speaking the word to yourself, not to tell anybody else what the word says, but just to yourself, just speaking the word to yourself. It's going directly into your heart. It's being deposited immediately into your heart. And the more you're putting in there, it's going to eventually hit a full place. It's going to hit a fullness, and then there's going to be an abundance, and now there's no more room to put it in. It's going to start coming out of your mouth. And I guarantee, I guarantee 
When it comes out of your mouth with faith in your words, you will know the difference. You will know the difference. I remember a time that I was building my faith about finances. We had turned our TV off for 40 days. And we said, we're not watching any television. The kids didn't even get to watch television. I'm so glad it was summer. We put quilts over all the TVs in the house and sent them out to play on the trampoline. And, and we didn't watch TV. We didn't listen to anything else, even preaching or singing, except for teaching about financial stability. Yeah about God's desire for our finances. That was all that we listened to because we were in a famine financially. We were so financially distressed in our life and it's because we were financially distressed in our spirit. We, we needed to, uh, to inundate our spirit with this. And I remember... I was babysitting children at the time. My children were all little, and I was babysitting uh, children. My husband was working at Blue Cross and Blue Shield uh, Insurance Company, uh, a division of that uh, for the billing. And so he would go to work, and I would babysit the children. But I took these scriptures, and in the morning, before all the children would get up, and then while they were laying down to take their nap, I would, I would quote these scriptures. It took me about 30 minutes in the morning and then I finished the list of scriptures in the evening uh, or during their nap time. And so I'm quoting these scriptures and when I first started saying, he shall increase me more and more, everything in me said, you are living off beanie weenies. Because it was right around the time of the Y2K and there for a while we got caught up in some of that Y2K drama and I had bought a whole bunch of beans and Vienna sausages and my, we will never eat another Vienna sausage in all my life. <laughs> never again. I mean, I had cases of Vienna sausages. So we were in such a place financially. We were eating the macaroni with no cheese and the Vienna sausages and the Raymond noodles and all of that nasty stuff that we had gotten cheap. And so we're living off this and financially, we've got to make a change, God. And I'm quoting these scriptures, God shall increase us more and more. And I didn't believe it. I didn't, I mean, there wasn't any faith in me to believe that God was going to increase me. Well, I still got the taste of Vienna sausages and Carl Budding ham. They have Carl Budding ham. I mean, it's so thin. You can hold that ham up and see the light. I see the light through my slice of ham. And we got two slices per sandwich. I mean, it just, it, just, it just basically gave you a little taste of something salty on your bread. And here I am quoting these verses. God shall increase me more and more. God shall increase me more and more. I'm blessed coming in. Deuteronomy 28. Ooh, blessed coming in, I'm blessed coming out, and I'm blessed in the field, I'm blessed in the city. God shall bless my storehouses. I don't have, my storehouse consists of Vienna sausages. But I kept on quoting those verses. I kept speaking those verses to myself. Nobody else in the room, just speaking them to myself, just depositing it in my heart, just putting it in my heart, putting it in my heart, putting it in my heart. It wasn't even 30 days. 
One day I opened up to those scriptures and I started to speak those scriptures. And when it come up out of my heart, I made a declaration. I increased more and more. And it came out with such a force. It came out with such a faith. What was in my heart loaded my words. And at that moment I realized I have not yet been in faith till this moment. At that moment I could realize up until that time I had been I had been building my faith, but I had not reached a level where faith was in manifestation until that moment. And at that moment I knew the words that just came out of my mouth have affected change. It was a matter of weeks before God supernaturally moved us to take the pastorate of that church in Kansas, moved us from that house into a a house that we owned. I mean, it was just supernatural how God set us on his course when we got the word in abundance in our heart. But if you would have asked me before that time, are you believing? I would have told you, yeah, I'm believing. I thought I was in faith until faith came. And then I realized I really wasn't in faith till faith came because I could then mark a difference. And since that time, I've been able to recognize there's a difference. If I hear myself say something and I know I did not have faith in those words that I said, then I know I've got some homework. I know there's work for me to do because nobody else can fill my heart for me. I mean, I can put myself in a car and listen to it and some faith will come. I can, I can come to church and I can hear the word preached and some faith will come. But nobody can specifically, deliberately deposit faith in my heart for me. I have to, I have to, I have to purposefully and, and uh, specifically deposit what I need into my heart. And when faith comes, you will know the difference. You will know that was faith that just came out of my mouth. You will identify that my words are now containers of something that they did not previously contain. When Mark 11, let's look at Mark 11. When Mark 11, Jesus is teaching about the process of faith. What we see is this is a person who has developed their faith and become proficient in their faith. This is how it's supposed to work for us. He says in verse 23, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. Why is he going to have whatever he says? What is it that causes his words to be so effective that he will have whatsoever he says, even including speaking to a mountain Be thou removed and be cast into the sea. One of the things he says is that he will not doubt. 
The word doubt means to be undecided. It means to be double. Doubt, the duo. Doubt talks about uh, uh, thinking two ways. To be double-minded, the book of James identifies it. So there has to be a consistent convincing, a consistent confidence, a consistent certainty. Now, I've just identified words that we use when we talk about Hebrews chapter 1. Faith is the certainty. Faith is the conviction. Faith is the confidence. So he says, no doubting, no being confident and then unconfident, sure and unsure. Why? Because it interrupts the flow. We need a constant flow of confidence. The confidence maintains the faith to, to continue. He says, no doubting in the heart, but believe that those things which he says shall come to pass. Believe. Now, believing establishes us. Did we find that in 2 Chronicles? Believe and you'll be established. Believe and you'll prosper based on what you're believing in. If you're believing in God, believing in God's ways, God's words, you'll be established. Believing in in His spoken word, His prophetic word, you're going to prosper. Believing that by His stripes you're healed, you can receive healing. Believing that, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You'll be, be in a position of receiving for that reward. So the believing establishes us. He says that we need to believe the things which we say. So there needs to be a convincing of faith in the things that we say. When I first started quoting those verses, I wasn't convinced that I was blessed going in and coming out. I wasn't convinced that God would increase me more and more. I didn't have a conviction. I didn't have a certainty. But I kept putting the word in. And the word is supernatural containers of faith. The word contains the power of God. Every word of God is full of power. God doesn't own an empty word. He doesn't own an empty word. There's not an empty word in his vocabulary. If it comes out of his mouth, it's full. That's what works for Mark 11. It's got to come out of our heart full. We've got to to condition our heart and load our heart so that when our words come out, our words come out full. When I was first speaking to my situation, I was actually, nothing was coming out towards my situation. It was just going into the heart, into the heart, into the heart, into the heart because there was no fullness yet. And when I would try to speak to the situation and call finances to come, it was feather faith. You know, it would just kind of float out of my mouth and and down. (laughs) It wasn't attacking anything. It wasn't going anywhere. It wasn't moving any mountains because there wasn't any force in my words. There wasn't any faith force in my words. So when we say faith moves mountains, we've got to be specific, a little bit more specific than that because there was a man who had faith to be healed and he wasn't. Paul looked at him and said, I discern, I recognize, I can see you've got faith to be healed, but he wasn't healed yet. He had the faith to be healed. It was present, but he hadn't acted on it yet. He hadn't ignited it yet. Faith without works is alone. 
right? He needed to connect that outflowing of the faith. And so, so we've got to identify, is it faith that moves mountains? Is it words that moves mountains? Or it, more accurately, is it faith-filled words? Because in order for my, my faith to move the mountain, I've got to put it in word form. He said it's got to be spoken to get it out into a form that it can deal with my mountain and deal with my situation and alter the course of events and change the physical body or change the surrounding atmosphere where my children are living, whatever the case may be, in order for it to get out into this earth realm where it can bring and affect change, it's got to first be in the heart and then it's got to be abundantly in the heart until it loads my words and my words come out full. When faith-filled words come out, then change is affected. If the words coming out aren't full, then put them back in the heart. Just keep putting them in the heart. If the words coming out aren't full of faith, they're not going to affect change. Uh, You know, a person who hasn't taking the time to develop their faith can say, I speak to the mountain, be moved. Well, if there's no faith in what you're speaking, that mountain's not moving. That situation's not changing. So now do we see the emphasis is on the fullness of the word in the heart. That's our part. And I'll say this, faith is not hard. It's not hard to believe God. It's not hard to have faith. He's given us a born-again spirit that's built to believe. I mean, your heart, your believer, you're a believer. You're, you're built to believe. You're designed for believing. Believing is what we do. Your spirit is, is quick to believe. If the unrenewed mind gets in the way, that could be a hindrance. The undisciplined tongue could be a hindrance. A lack of love could be a hindrance. Allowing fear thoughts, a a violation of peace could be a hindrance. Because what needs to be in the believing? Joy and peace? In the believing? So so there's some dynamics that we've got to recognize. It's not just a a formula, two steps and, 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 and three principles. There are dynamics in faith that we've got to become proficient in, and this is one of them. I've got to, my part is fill my heart. I can't make my body be healed. I can't make my finances change. Now, I can discipline myself not not to be foolish with my finances, but that doesn't cause the blessing to work. But a fullness of faith in my heart, I can call for the increase. I can speak the blessing over my finances. Hallelujah. Verse 24, Therefore I say unto you, What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe. So the the word therefore connects us to what he has just taught about the principle of faith in verse 23. This is how faith works. This is how proficient faith will bring change and affect authority over a situation that you have got your word so disciplined that you believe the things that you say will come to pass 
And then you take those words and you speak to that situation and you call it what you want it to be and you command it to be how you have, have, have desired in your heart. And so you pull that same process over into prayer and he says, the things which you desire. And I'm so thankful he put whatsoever in there. He just took the limits off right there. He took the limits off. What do you desire? You know, Brother Jerry Savelle, I gave you that testimony earlier. He desired not to have to need those glasses. At the time that he was having that desire, he did require them. But because he was coming with faith, he was believing that that could change. He was believing that he would no longer need those glasses to be able to drive. And he received an increase in his eyesight, his vision. Hallelujah. The desire is of the heart. Faith is of the heart. The desire is uh, we allow the word of God to identify his will. And then we see his will for us is greater than anything I ever thought I wanted. Amen? We desire what he has for us. Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive. Believe that you receive them. When you pray, when you pray, that's identified a specific moment. When you pray, believe. When you pray, believe that you receive them. Hallelujah. Let's compare this to Matthew 21, 22. Matthew 21, 22. And all things whatsoever you shall ask. The word ask in the original language also means to call for or require. Whatever you call for in prayer. Whatever you require in the vehicle of prayer, in that time of prayer. What are you calling for? Asking, requiring. If it's health for your body, whatever you call for in prayer. If it's finances to increase in your life, whatever you're calling for in prayer. If it's for the salvation of a loved one, whatever you're calling for in prayer. If it's for, for a, a specific thing on your job or a, a specific thing in, uh, in, in other situations, whatever you're requiring, calling for, asking in prayer, believing you shall receive. Hallelujah. In both of these places, the word receive means to take with the hand. To take with the hand. Hallelujah. It means to acquire something given, to get a hold of. When do you get a hold of what you're praying for? When you pray. If you're believing, you take it in that moment. If you're believing, it says, believing you shall take it with the hand. That's what it says. Whatever you ask in prayer, require or call for in prayer, believing you shall take with the hand. Mark's version in verse 24 says, 
what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you take them with the hand. Believe that you take possession of them and you shall have them. So I believe it comes into my possession when I pray. I believe that it is now transferred into my ownership. It now comes to me. The thing I've called for, the thing I've required, the thing I've asked now comes into my... Now I'm no longer waiting for it. I have it. That's not just a mental switch. It's a, it's a determination right here. Because then this is, that determination is going to affect the way I talk. It's going to affect the way I, I, I expect. It's going to affect the way that I anticipate. It's going to affect the way that I respond to situations. Why? Because I have already received when I prayed. It became mine the moment that I prayed it. I'm no longer trying to get it if I have it. Why would I try to get it? Why would, why would, I, why would I come in here today and say, I really desire to be married to Philip Steele? Oh, how I want to be married to Philip Steele. I want to be his wife. I want to be Philip Steele's wife. I want so much to be the wife of Philip Steele. I want to be married to Philip Steele. I'm already married to Philip Steele. Been married. Many years. Why would I desire something that I've already received? Why would I talk like I needed to do, have something that I've already been given? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I, I believe I take it when I pray. I believe I receive it when I pray. I believe it comes into my possession. Well, but I don't see it yet. Who said that had anything to do with faith? This is the renewing of the mind. What I see is not an, a safe indication of what has happened legally in the spirit realm. What is in the natural evidences of sight and, and what I can touch, that's not proof of what God has or has not given me. That's why F.F. F. Bosworth said it is, uh, it is unwise to... Uh, to uh, Check for your symptoms to improve after prayer because if I believe I receive when hands were laid on me, it doesn't care what my symptoms say. Amen. If they change or don't change, I have it. If, they, if I feel better or don't feel better, the anointing has gone into my body. It is recuperating. And so I'm not going to say, well, maybe I didn't get it because I didn't feel. I have it. Hallelujah. Because hands were laid upon me and the Bible says that when hands are laid upon me, recovery starts. And so I'm not going to stop the recovering by agreeing with the symptoms. Hallelujah. The Bible says, when I give, it is given unto me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. I'm not going to check my financial symptoms to see if the blessing is working or not. To see if God's multiplication is working or not. It's working. It's working. Healing power is working. It's working. It's working. Healing power is working. It's working. It's working. It's working night and day. It's working in my body to drive sickness away. It's working. And so I've got I've to stir myself up with it's working because the symptoms got their big signs up there saying it's not working, it's not working. 
It's not working. It's not working. Feel your head. It's not working. It's not working. It's working. My symptoms are not safe indicators for me. It's working. Amen. It is working. Hallelujah. Let's look at this receiving here in Matthew 21, the Amplified says, Whatever you ask in pray, ask for in prayer, having faith and really believing, you will receive. The Wycliffe Bible says, All things, whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing, you shall take. You shall take. The Young's Living says, As much as you ask in the prayer, believing, you shall receive. So, if I'm believing, I'm receiving. If I'm believing, I'm receiving. So just consider yourself receiving. Keep yourself with your, with your faith turned on. Keep yourself in that believing, that believing mode. Keep yourself in that believing and just say, I'm receiving. I'm taking it with the hand. I have it now. It's mine. It's mine. Because I have received it. Hallelujah. So the receiving is underway it is in process it is taking place as the believing and so there are things that we need to keep that receiving flowing amen Uh, when we look at receiving one of my favorite places to look at is Hebrews chapter 11 and look at Sarah Sarah received She received strength Mm -hmm. by faith. Strength that affected her physical body in a way that no medicine could affect it, in a way that no uh, treatment of any doctor could affect it. She had, by faith, had access to God working in her body, strengthening parts of her body to bring forth a child that had never before worked in her body. And it says she did it by faith. Let's look here at verse 11 of Hebrews 11. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. She, she judged him faithful. So that gives us an indication what she was considering while her, her believing was in process. She believed God. She, by faith, Sarah received. So we know there was believing going on. By faith, she received strength because she considered or judged him faithful who had promised. Remember, if you believe that he's a rewarder, of those who diligently seek him. If you believe he's faithful who promised. If you believe that God cannot lie. We spent a few weeks and, and we investigated reasons we can trust God. You remember that? It's out there in the every available voice. Pick it up if you don't have it. Reasons we can trust God. And one of the things that we looked at was that God cannot lie. He cannot lie. If he said it, it's truth, it's established. It is impossible for God to lie. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So if God said it, it's truth. Yeah. 
It's established higher than any doctor's report. It's established higher than any financial report of what's going on in the stock market. Blessed. My blessing is not affected by what the stock markets are doing. Amen. 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 Our blessing is not affected. God can do much more than that. That one king said, I've already given this huge amount of money. And, and God says, I don't want you to have anything to do with them. He said, but I've already paid them all this money. And God said, I can give you much more than that. I can give you much more than that. Hallelujah. So God cannot lie. We judge him faithful. We judge his word to be truth. We judge the stripes on Jesus' back to be our, our medicine We judge his word as having supernatural power to affect change in our lives, our marriages, our finances, our physical bodies. We believe that his word is at work in us. It says she received strength. She received strength. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, now Sarah, she kept her focus on God's faithfulness. Abraham kept his focus on, on, on the promise, so shall your seed be. Romans chapter 4 says, uh, according as it was spoken, so shall your seed be. That was his main faith focus. Her faith focus was God is faithful and he promised us a child. And he promised that child's going to come through me. Amen? Second Corinthians chapter... 4 and verse 18 says, let's read 17. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, no matter what you're facing today, from this moment forward, it's light and momentary. We call it what God calls it. He says it's light. He says it's light. He says it's momentary. It says, the light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen. Now, it's not going to work an eternal weight of glory for a person who's not looking at the Word. For a person that's looking at the problem, it's not working anything in them from God. That person is just allowing the problem to... They're feeding on what what that word was I read earlier. Don't feed on the problem. Don't feed and feed and feed on the problem and the fear. If, If a person is looking at the evidence in the natural, this eternal weight of glory is not being produced. It is while we're in the difficult situation, yet we refuse to get our focus off the word. While we're in, in that, that dilemma, while we are under attack, we continually put our faith focus and our connection on the Word of God, then in us a glory, a strength, a help, a power is being affected in us. Why? It's, our faith is working. Our faith, we're receiving, we're connected, we're plugged in. 
We're plugged into the answer. We're plugged into the power supply while we look not at things which are seen. So Peter looked and he saw Jesus was walking on the water. And he said, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. And so Peter steps out on the power of Jesus. Come. The power to walk on water is in that word. The power to step out of the boat is in that word. In the word come, there's enough power for him to walk as far as he needed to walk, never sinking, never going under, never losing the victory. If he would have just stayed focused on the word Jesus gave him. Come. According as it was spoken, so shall your seed be. The power was in the word. So shall my seed be, so shall. He's looking at the stars. He's looking at the sand. So shall my seed be, so shall my seed be, so shall my seed be, so shall my seed be. The power was in the word to maintain the promise, to maintain the manifestation of the promise. And he's walking on the water. Come. It was when he began to look at something else. He did not sink until he looked elsewhere. When his attention was taken off the word and his attention got a... The wind was blowing while he was in the boat when he put his foot out over the side of the boat when he took however many steps he had taken the wind was blowing the waves were crashing and filling they had nothing to do with his water walking ability until he gave them attention why because fear came with what he was looking at when he gave his attention he began to fear And his faith left him by degrees. He did not go under like you and I would go under if we step off the side of a swimming pool. I don't begin to sink. I sink (laughs) down into the water, sink. But he didn't sink. He began to sink. He just began to sink. Why? Because his faith was leaving him by degrees based on the attention he was giving to the wind and the waves. We do not look at things. We don't ignore them. Faith doesn't ignore symptoms. Faith doesn't ignore that there's something in the body. Faith doesn't ignore a financial situation. Faith doesn't ignore and say it's not, it's not like that, it's not like that, I'm not sick, I'm not. There's no power in the words, I'm not sick. There's no faith in the words, I'm not sick. I am healed has power in it because now I've spoken the word. I've taken it out of the word and said, I am healed. The negating isn't the application of faith. The calling for what you desire is the application of faith. I am healed. I'm calling for healing when I say that. I am healed. I am blessed. I'm calling it. I'm, I'm, I'm calling it. If you step out and you need the dog to come, you say, here, 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 doggy. Come here, Spot. Come here, Muffy. Come here. Whatever your dog's name is, call it. They're not there, but what are you saying? Here. You're saying they're there. Here. Here, Fluffy. Here, Fluffy. 
Come on, Fluffy, here, come here, here. You're calling them here, but they're not there. But you want them there. You don't step out and say, the dog's not here. There's no dog here. The dog's not here, the dog's not here, the dog's not here. And you wouldn't step out and negate it. And you wouldn't step out and say, the dog is not gone. The dog is not gone. The dog is not gone. No, you call for what you want. You call the dog to come because you want the dog to come. I am healed is calling for the healing to come. I am blessed. I am increasing more and more. I am the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, always going over, never going under. Hallelujah. I'm calling for it. I'm, I'm, invi- I'm, I'm calling for it. Hallelujah. It says, while we look not at things which are seen, but at things which are not seen. How do you look at things which are not seen? With the eye of faith. Faith can see. Faith is not blind. There's no blind steps of faith. There's no blind leaps of faith. Faith is, is not a leap. Faith is not blind. Faith sees and faith knows. Faith can see it. Faith is the certainty. For instance, have any of you seen your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Have you seen it with these eyes? Have you ever witnessed it and touched the book and said, well, do you say it's not true because I've never touched that book? It's not true because I've never seen that book. We know there's a book. The Word of God describes the Lamb's Book of Life and it says our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But I've never seen my name. But I'll have to see it to believe it if God told me. I believe my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And you can't convince me otherwise. I am convinced. I have a name in the Lamb's book of life. I can see it. With a conviction. With a faith. says we do not look this this glory this weight of power is working while we look not at the things which are seen but at the things which are not seen so we've got to give them our attention we've got to give them our attention the things which are not seen why for the things which are seen are temporal Temporary, subject to change. When we use that phrase, subject to change, what we're saying is those things can be changed. They're not established. They're not settled. It's not a, a definite, fixed thing. They are, they are, they are in a place of ability where they can be altered. They can be changed. If you put the right change agent over them, if you affect the right, the right thing that will, that will affect that change, if you put in place something that has the power to change it, it can be changed. And according to this, if I take those things which are not seen... These things which are not seen are eternal. If I am giving them my faith focus, then it will affect the change over those things that can be altered. How? 
by that action of my spirit to keep my attention and my expectation on what is not yet manifested, what is not seen in manifestation. Just because you can't see it in manifestation should not have the determination in your decision. We are believers. As believers, we know that God created everything that can be seen out of things which are invisible. You can't see what this earth was created with. You can't see what created this world. He made all things with things which cannot be seen. Let's look at Hebrews 11.1 1, because he's telling us to look at the unseen, the invisible thing. Because Just because it's invisible doesn't mean it is uh, uh, less powerful. It's actually more real to the spiritual realm than what can be seen. Everything that can be seen is of a lesser quality compared to the invisible things of God. So Hebrews 11, verse 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, evidence of unseen things. Unseen. Can't be seen with the natural eye, but I have evidence. Faith is the evidence of unseen things. It says in verse 3, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen... The worlds were not made of things which do appear. He said this word of God, this invisible word of God that cannot be seen, when you put it on paper, you can see the written word. But before it was ever written, it was spoken out of the mouth of God and you couldn't see it. It was unseen. It was invisible. Just you can't see, You can see my lips moving, but you can't see my words. You can't see my words. They are invisible, but yet they are are powerful. God's words, when he spoke them, they came out of his mouth, containers full of power. Every word of God is full of power. Every word of God is full of power. When they came out of his mouth, they went into the different areas he spoke them into and they accomplished what he wanted. He said, my words do not return to me void, empty. They come back having accomplished what I sent them to do. My words accomplish my will. They do what I please. Hallelujah. And that's why he said, whatever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive. Why? Because your words are supposed to work like Isaiah 55, 10 and 11, God's words. He wants your words to work that way. He wants you to say, my words don't return to me empty. He wants you to say, my words do what I send them to do. And when I speak it, I speak out of the desire of my born again, Holy Ghost filled heart. And when it comes out of my mouth, my words go out into my situation and affect change in my life. And I can move the mountain if I speak to the mountain with my faith-filled words. I can change the the situation if I speak to my situation with my faith-filled words. Hallelujah. Because 
things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Every seen thing is subject to change. The Word is not subject to change. The Word of God is not going to change. It is established. It is, it is settled. It is written. It is set in law in the spirit realm. So that means the Word of God placed on any seen thing can make that seen thing change. There is no thing you can see that can continually resist and rebel from doing what the Word says if you're applying the Word to it. The Word is of a greater integrity than anything you are placing it on. Integrity test will prove that a diamond is the, the toughest, strongest of all of the gems. It will prove that iron is stronger than copper. It will prove the different integrities of substances to identify which substance is of the greatest integrity. The Word of God is of the greatest integrity of anything in the entire universe. When you take the Word of God and you place it against any situation, any lack, any, any health issue, any situation in your home, you take the Word and you put it on it and you just keep the pressure of the Word on that. It's not you fighting it. It's the Word changing it. If you feel like you are under the weight of trying to change it, shift the weight over onto the Word. You're not supposed to be under the weight. You can't heal yourself. You can't get yourself healed. You can't, you can't get yourself blessed. You can't get those. You can't make these things happen. Your part is just the Word. I'm filled with the Word, and I'm, I'm a Word applicator. I'm applying the Word. Apply the Word. Put the Word on that. Put the Word on that. The Word's going to affect the change. The Word's going to affect the change. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So I want to compare the centurion in Matthew chapter 8. This was a man who wasn't raised up in, in Jewish teachings necessarily. He was a Roman centurion. But he came to Jesus. Let's look at Matthew chapter 8. He came to Jesus on the behalf of a man in his care, a servant who worked in his home. And he said in verse 6, Lord, my servant lies at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, 
I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. So now he's identifying rank. I am under authority. I have somebody over me, and I have people under my authority. He said, go. He said, I say to this man, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. This is his understanding that if you will speak the word, Mm -hmm. the word will affect the change necessary to heal my servant. The word that you speak is authorized. Why? Because I've come to position myself under the authority of your word. If you say it, I believe it, I receive it. If you say it, he will be healed. Just speak the word. Jesus, verse 10, he marveled and said to to them that followed, Truly I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. He called what this man exhibited great faith. Great faith needs only the evidence of the word. No other evidence is required. No other, and and there were people that got healed by many other ways. They said, if I can just touch. There was a woman in in Mark uh, 5, she, her, her connection, if I can just touch. He said, faith focused on the word of God healed this man's servant. He said in verse 13, go your way and as you have believed, so be it done. As you have believed. How you believe affects what you receive. He said, as you have believed, be it done unto you. As you have believed, Be it done to you. Hallelujah. And his servant was healed in the self same hour. His servant was healed in the self same hour. But when he walked away, he wasn't there to see his servant get healed. One of the other Gospels gives this account and gives the idea that it took him a good day to walk there. And that when he got home, he asked them, what time did he start mending, getting better? And they determined it was the same time that he stood in front of Jesus and Jesus spoke the word. But that man walked all that way with no evidence. He didn't see anything different. He didn't know what was going on at home. He had nothing to prove except the word. He spoke the word. I've got the word. Do you see his response to it? Can we compare that to how Thomas responded in John chapter 20? And before we throw Thomas, because I don't believe they call him doubting Thomas today. I believe we'll meet him in heaven and and we should probably not refer to him as doubting Thomas when we meet him there in heaven. Because I I would say they don't bring that up. And if you were to really read through the Gospels, they were all. I mean, when the women came back and said, he's alive, he's risen, he's not in the tomb, they didn't believe him. 
they thought they were hysterical. You are a hysterical woman. And they went to see for themselves. And then even after they saw for themselves, they said they've stolen him. They've taken his body. They still didn't believe. I mean, so they were all in that condition of doubting. So, but there's something specific about Thomas's response that identifies uh, something important to us. John 20, verse 24. But Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. Now imagine, all the women have seen him, uh, and now the disciples who he's walked with, he knows these people. They say, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger in two. Now, not only do I have to see it, I need to feel it. And thrust my hand into his side. That's, I mean, that's really bold. Unless I see it and touch it and even take my hand and put in that hole they made in his side, I will not. He didn't say, I can't. I will not. That's a choice of the will. We can condition our will. You know, you can be saved a long time and have an unrenewed mind. A person, not you, somebody else. A person can be saved a long time and have not renewed their mind to the word. Is that true? A person can be saved a a long time and not put their will, condition their will to submit to the word. A few years back, a phrase came to me, and, and it may have been through something that is in the Brother Caps's book, um, but it was this phrase, I am easily persuaded by the, the word. I immediately respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit within me, and then I, I added that to it, I'm easily persuaded by the word. I want to be a person that's easily persuaded by the word. I want to be easily persuaded by what is written in the Word. If I see it in the Word, I want to immediately train my will to submit to that. Train my will to come under the flow of that. Hallelujah. Well, John, he's got him... And, and you know, let's just have, have some mercy on him. Thomas, I mean. Let's have some mercy on Thomas. Because there have been times in all of our lives where we want to rely on the sense knowledge realm. But I don't feel like it's happening. But I don't see anything different. And, and, and walking by the senses will always hinder walking by, by faith. We walk by faith, never by appearance. We walk by faith, not by sight. We walk, so faith walking is not going to depend on the senses. Not going to depend on the evidence of the senses to determine if faith is working. He required the ability to see it and touch it before he would believe it. Well, you don't need faith then. Why would you need faith for something you can see and touch? You don't need faith then. Faith is for the unseen. Faith is for, for bringing into existence what's in the unseen realm into manifestation. Faith is the evidence of things that are not seen. If I can see it, then, then I don't need faith. He said, I will not believe. And so Jesus 
eight days later. Verse 26 says, eight days later, eight days he walked around in this unbelief. All of the rest of the disciples have a whole different perspective. They're not crying about Jesus being crucified. They're not grieving. They're not heavy. They're not worried. They're not sad. Why? Because they have already entered in and they, they've seen Jesus. But this man is walking around. I will not believe. Well, he's stuck with what all that unbelief is going to provide him. Eight days. It says in verse 27, uh, Jesus who had come through the wall, <laughs> the doors being shut, he stood in the midst, said to them, verse 27, he said to Thomas, now he went right to the root of the problem in the room. Reach here your finger. Look at my hands, reach here your hand, thrust it into my side, and be not faithless. Be not faithless. He called a requiring of sense knowledge faithless. Demanding sense knowledge evidence before I believe it has come to pass is, is a lack of faith. It is faithlessness. He said the centurion had great faith. And Thomas, who had walked with him and seen miracles and sat under his teaching, was faithless because he demanded something to prove what faith could have given him the evidence of. Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because you've seen me, you believe. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Well, that's us. I've not seen the Lord with my natural eyes, but I believe He is risen. I believe He is my head, my teacher, my master, my redeemer, my, my healer, my savior. I believe all, all that He is to me. I believe that His spirit dwells in me now. I am His and He is mine. He's divine. I'm the branch. I'm connected to Him. I am one with him. He is one with me. I believe that. I've never seen him. Hallelujah. Because the believing establishes what he is in my life. The believing establishes us to receive from him. Hallelujah. You remember I said when I first started quoting those scriptures... I didn't feel like I was telling the truth. But I knew that God's word was more true than any situation that I was currently under. And I knew if I'm going to change the situation, I'm going to have to bring truth that ha of a higher authority than my situation. The word is a higher authority than anything you're facing today. There's not one adversity in your life today that the word will not govern it. If you'll put the word in its place of authority over your life, it will put your circumstance under your feet. And I'm going to listen to that so I can write that down because I've never said that before. <laughs> Hallelujah. Father, we're so thankful today for your word that does not return unto us void. But you've given your word not only to bring new life to us, not only to establish your kingdom principles in us, but Father, to give us the advantage in every area of life. 
And so we place the highest honor upon the lordship of Jesus and the governance of his word in our life. And we ask you, Lord, to lead us into a proficiency of applying that word.